It's time. It's time. Get your snacks ready. Unplug the house phone. Get your face painted. Get your chest painted. Get whatever other body parts you typically paint for these things painted. Uh, Because the NBA playoffs are here. And the Utah Jazz are just hours away from taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder in a first-round series. So we'll talk about it here at the Salt City Hoops podcast. Um, I'm Dan Clayton. That guy right there, uh, you can't see me, but I'm hey. I'm pointing through the the internet. Uh, that guy is Ken Clayton, and uh, and we, the brothers Clayton, are here to do some uh, playoff talk. Um, so, Ken, how's it going? Pretty good. I'm pretty sure you didn't plan that intro out because the unplug the house phone and paint your chest or other other body part was just a little weird. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've I've never <laughs> been I've never been the the body paint type of that's never been the breed of fan I've been. Um, you know, some of that is for a good dozen or so years. I was on press row where you're not supposed to paint anything or, or <laughs> look or sound or act like a fan. But, but even before that, I, you know, um, so I don't, I don't know what people are painting these days. I don't want to tell a person what they can and can't paint, paint away. Um, did I make it weirder? I, I think I just, <laughs> I, I went, I went into the skid on that one. There you go. There you go. Paint whatever body part you like. Um, That's the wisdom you've get in the first minute tonight, today, tonight, whenever you're listening. Right. Um, It is night in um, in Internet Land where Ken and I are recording this. Um, We're actually watching the um, the Portland Trailblazers try to mount a furious comeback against the Pelicans in the fourth quarter. Um, Looks like they'll they'll come up short. But let but let's instead talk about a series that. Most of uh, Salt City Hoops readers will care about more, which is the 4.30 Mountain Time Game 1 between the Thunder and the Utah Jazz. Um, Ken, the Jazz are, you know, back in the playoffs. What, what, do, you th- what do you expect tomorrow from, uh, from the Jazz and the, um, and the Thunder? Well... As a default, and this will disappoint many, who, uh, as a default, I always look at that game one and then game three for the home team in that game as as the less likely to be flipped. So what I expect tomorrow specifically versus for the series is uh, I would be a little more heavily leaning toward the Thunder winning game one, but I would be happy to be wrong. Yeah, um, well, that's the thing, you know, with with the season series on this particular um, on this particular series is oftentimes you can really look to how the two teams played each other in the, in the regular season. And, and, you know, whether, whether strictly by win count or by looking more kind of surgically at games, you can kind of get a, a sense for how things might go in the case of this particular four game sample. I just don't know that there's a lot of information there, um, you know, for reasons that I'm sure we'll talk about, but, but primarily among them is, is the fact that, some of Utah's best players were not involved in um, in many of those, you know, in, in more than half of those OKC Utah matchups this season. And uh, one of OKC's best players was involved and will not be involved in the playoff games. So you definitely have some personnel issues or personnel changes on a huge scale because the the Jazz and the Thunder had such an odd schedule where they played once in October, three times in December, and before Santa Claus visited, they said, "See you later." See, you know, see you presumably in the 2018-2019 
season, except that now they're meeting in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get into it. You you mentioned um, one of the Thunder's best players who was part of all four of those matchups and won't be part of any of the next four to seven matchups. Uh, so I assume you're talking about not one of their, their glitzy, starry names, but I assume you're talking about their defensive standout and their defensive player of the year candidate, Andre Robertson. Exactly. Um, and, and admittedly, uh, probably the fifth most important of their five starters uh, on the season. I mean, at least as I look at the team, but, uh, you know, a defensive standout, somebody who definitely was uh, having an impact on those jazz games and any other games the Thunder played while they still had him, but he's not going to be around to, uh, to, uh, play the defense that he would have been able to otherwise. And you have to think that's going to have an impact that a few, a few shots a game are going to be a little easier to get than they would have been if he was playing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I think he's, um, I think he's arguably even more important than, than fifth import fifth, most important. Well, only, okay. Only because, you know, like we all, we all tend to talk as though, um, as though the offensive pecking order kind of trumps the other thing. Um, but defense is half the game, and, and Robertson is was legit one of the best defensive players in the league before that injury. Um, whereas, you know, a player like Carmelo Anthony has become a pretty complex... To, to the credit of Billy Donovan and, and the Thunder, um, I think they realized that, like, hey, we can't rely on Anthony for all the things that... Um, that teams in the past have relied on him for. And so Anthony now has become a, a bit of a complimentary um, threat for them. It's still not someone you want to leave open necessarily. Like he, like he can still make shots. He can still do things like that. Um, but Robertson, I, I guess my, the, the point I'm making, and I, I don't even know that I'm that we're disagreeing here, um, just shades of the same thing. Robertson's damn important for them. No, yeah. And I shouldn't have used the word important probably, but when I think of the team, I think of, important or not or or today's skill level or not i think first of the big three and then the, probably the next guy I go to is steven adams um so when i when i said important you're probably you're right probably not to the team and how it functions and how they win games but just the the pecking order in my mind of okc thunder starters he would probably be the fifth yeah yeah well i i think that's how i think that's how you know most people have it um and, and, you know, look, I, I think regardless of how we parse that particular ranking, the reality is that he did, he did have an impact on um, the Thunder being able to go three and one against the Jazz this season. Someone who didn't have a huge impact on that series was Rudy Gobert because he played in the, in the first game, the Jazz win. Then he was, then he was out for a while. He came, he came back from that first injury the second OKC game, which the Jazz lost, Rudy was back. He played 27 minutes, but it was his second game back. He clearly was not himself yet. Then he got hurt yeah. again and missed two late December matchups. So really, Rudy has not, um, you know, Rudy has not put his stamp on the on the season series, and um, you know that's that's something that obviously OKC is going to have to figure out is how different some of what worked for them in December. Um, will be now that they're facing not just a healthy Gobert, but a Gobert that looks like himself again. Right. And there, there have been some articles today. I think uh, 
I think Andy Larson had a write-up on how how Russell Westbrook's game changes when Rudy Gobert's on the floor. So that's going to be something they should hopefully get a full dose of Rudy Gobert for four, five, six, seven games, however long the series lasts, versus uh, one and a half games out of four, which is what they got in the regular season. And hopefully that does that have that kind of impact because the impact it had on Westbrook's game or, or that Rudy has had on Westbrook's game has been positive for the Jazz, negative for the Thunder. And so, again, that, that season series is also a little skewed. And I, I mentioned before we started recording as well, uh, Donovan Mitchell also missed the, now I forget which game. The, the second uh, the to last. The third game. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, third, yeah. the third game, which was played in OKC. In fact, that was the twenty-eight point blowout. Uh, Mitchell missed that with his right great toe sprain. That um, we had lots of. Uh, there were funny tweets going around about that one. That is one and, great toe. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so that one, uh, the starting lineup for that game was Derek Favors, Joe Ingles, Ricky Rubio. We're fine to that point. Then you get Joe Johnson in for basically Rudy Gobert with Favors moving to the center spot and Rodney Hood for Mitchell. And Rodney had an okay game, but I think they definitely lost. I mean, you and I both remember before that trade, uh, they were not the most effective, efficient players, speaking of Joe Johnson and Rodney Hood, for the Jazz generally on the court. And in this game, they combined for 6 out of 16 shooting and not a whole lot else. Three rebounds between them, and it was just not a game where they were bringing much. And, of course, the Jazz lose by 28 with Gobert and Mitchell both out. Well, that's the thing. I, I mean, that aside from the Rudy thing, and, and I, you know, I had forgotten until you reminded me that Mitchell missed one of those games too. Even aside from that, I think that what we just what you just mentioned right there is one of the reasons why you can almost kind of throw out um, the three Thunder wins and, and the one Jazz win. Like, like those were, it, it's almost like those were against some other team. Like, seriously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the Jazz before the trade deadline, and I, and I wrote about this in um, the Salt City Hoops from last Sunday. Um, basically what the Jazz did with their, with their rotation changes and their and their trades um, is they basically took m- minutes away from guys who weren't playing the right way on offense and who weren't playing at all on defense. And right. they gave them to guys who, you know, want the team to be successful, want to make the extra pass, who get excited about a defensive stop, who will shoot it if they're open, but they will rotate the ball if they're not open. Like the the Jazz are a different team. That the character of the team, um, especially from a, de- a defensive standpoint, is just different now. And you know, one right. of the things that um, a, a Salt City Hoops writer, Alan Ryman, um, points out in a um, in a staff in a staff post that's going up today. Um, is, uh, is that the last time the Jazz and Thunder faced each other, 40% of the Jazz's minutes went to guys who are no longer on the roster or who have fallen out of the rotation. 40%. So these are just going to be very different games, and so I'm I'm a little reluctant to use too much of anything from those four games to to make my um, decisions on how the, how the series is going to go. Right. I mean, and I'm not just saying this because we are jazz fans, but I mean, the, the closest game you can say that that matters, that 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 is the closest to what the teams look like today is probably that first game just because Gobert played 
Mitchell played was very very early. He wasn't even playing well at that stage. It was right, I think the third right. game of the season. Um, but Gobert was playing, you know. So that was more the team you can see. But even still, now Mitchell's well way more in the lineup. Uh, Hood's gone. Johnson's gone. You've brought in, uh, you know, O'Neal's getting minutes, and yeah, oh, and Crowder, and mm-hmm. so you've added Crowder. So yeah, you're right. But and I'm not just saying this again because that's the because that's the win, and it paints a pretty picture. I don't necessarily think that I. I I would not want to paint a pretty picture because I do think it would be a hard-fought series. But I, I think the the closest to at least the full Jazz complement, even though it's a different Jazz complement, was that first game, and the Jazz did win that one. But yeah. they had the advantage of home of, of home court, and they also had the other advantage, which was uh, OKC hadn't really uh, in the third their third game of the season too. I, at least second, third, fourth, whatever it was, they probably hadn't quite learned how to play together yet either. Well, sure, uh, yeah. Um, so two things. One, I'll I'll reply to your um, to your point about Mitchell. Just just like by the way, this is almost a side note, but like, how crazy is it that Donovan is doing what he's doing, and he's and he's gotten to where he's gotten when like this guy was not the starter until eleven games in. The Jazz made him the full time starter after eleven games, moving away from Rodney Hood. Um, and, and no, it, that's not true. He he started opening night. Oh, that's true. He started when, because when Rodney Hood had to pull himself out. Yeah, and, when uh, he had the tummy rumbles. Yeah. So no, no anyway, I don't want to. I don't want to beat up on Rodney, but that was just that's that's actually funny because the the way it has shaken out at the time, I thought, wow, what a weird curiosity now that because uh, the Jazz always published starting lineup or teams published the starting lineup yeah, on the first yeah. night of the season, starting lineup on the last night of the season, and at the time I thought it would be end up being a curiosity that Donovan Mitchell was, uh, you know, starting on the first game of his rookie of his rookie season. And it turned out that was just a sign of things to come, even though we, we then had to wait five or 10 games before we really truly, um, understood that it was deserved and, and the right way to go. Yeah. 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 Um, no, the, the other point you made, which, which I just think adds to the great story of Mitchell, by the way, like, you know, as if that story wasn't cool enough, like, remember last fall when everybody was like, oh, it's going to be Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood's going to be the guy now. Um, and the fact that it took 11 games for a rookie from Louisville to take that, that spot over is cool. Um, the other point that you just made is that it's it's possible that OKC hadn't learned to play with each other yet. And, you know, that's a good point, too. I, I still, you know, I, like, obviously, they they have figured a lot of things out. They figured out how to play really well together defensively. And for a long time, that's really where they hung their hat is at the defensive end of the floor. So give them credit for that. But, you know, the the thing about OKC and the reason why, um, even as all the fans were trembling about the prospect of, you know, oh no, the Jazz might, you know, the Jazz might line up against OKC. Um, how can they avoid the thunder? And, and I, you know, I was just kind of just sitting over here chuckling because to me, the, the Thunder just don't scare me that much. And part of the reason why is they've never been, at no point this season did they really, like, put it together. You know what I mean? Um, the Like, yeah. they, I think their best 10-game stretch, also, I think they've had, I looked at one point to see, because um, in my recollection, they just never played much more than 500 ball. Like, you know, within a couple of games of 500 ball, and so I did go and look, and there were a couple of eight and two stretches. So I never shared that stat because technically I was wrong, and and you know winning eight out of ten is, um, is not nothing. Although although in both of their eight and two stretches, they had a bunch of close wins against lottery teams where like they beat Brooklyn at home by one. 
they beat Atlanta at home by three, things like that. Like, I just don't think that Oklahoma City is um, has has ever turned out to be what they thought they would be. Um, and and more and more importantly, and this is where I think the series gets fascinating. I'm not sure that they have turned into what they think they are. Like, I'm not sure that they are self-aware about the fact that they are not a three superstar team. And no. and that's what's and that's what's I think funny to me is I think they're sitting back thinking like, oh, we're the you know Russell Westbrook the other night after the after their season finale dropped a quote about how they're contending for a championship, and I'm I'm just like. You are not contending for a championship. Now, neither are the Jazz, but I, I just think my point here is I don't think they have congealed quite to the level they think they have congealed, and I don't think that they are as good as they think they are, and that's going to be interesting, and that's going to affect the psychology of this series, especially if the Jazz are able to get an advantage early on. No, I would agree with that. I mean, uh, a 48-win team is nice, and and, you know, to that point, uh, Donovan Mitchell also said, you know, we're competing for a championship, whether that's really true or not. Did he? But, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, in theory, you know, they're, they're, these guys are in it. I mean, especially a, a younger jazz team is really in it for uh, the experience and to hopefully build towards something bigger in a future year. And if they get some, and if they get to go a little farther this year than they might have expected, great. We'll, we'll take it. But uh, they're probably not, you know, starting to site gets they're not getting sized for rings just yet and and by the way like yeah you're, you're exactly right like that's where utah's sites are okc's sites are in a completely different place because depending on how right. this postseason goes you know paul george can leave this summer yeah like paul george can walk this summer and um you know so there's some real pressure on the thunder and um you never know how that's going to impact a team you know will that make a team come out and play tight or will that make them come out and play desperate and and really hard you know those are the things that you, you don't find out until um until the clock is running um but but i just think that the jazz have a, a little bit of a of a sneaky psychological advantage in the sense that um that i that i you know okc okc might not expect this to be as close as it could be or maybe I'm wrong. I you know. Yes. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I I think that could be the case, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll I guess we won't see what their expectations are. We will we will see what the actuals are, uh, beginning tomorrow at four thirty Mountain Time, and do the math if you live somewhere else like you and I both do. And and by the way, like in that sense, I think having gone one and three against the Thunder this season could be in a strange way. And a, a kind of a weird advantage to the Jazz, like, you know, in a Trojan horse, um, we're better, we're we're better than you think we are, sort of, sort of way. Um, but again, yeah. we we have to see. Um, I'll, I'll bet guys are listening to Quinn Snyder maybe a little more than if they'd gone three and one against their playoff opponent. So they they probably see a need more. Yeah, yeah. Well, on the Jazz end for sure, and then just my point is on the Thunder end, like, you know. They they may come in. I I don't know. Obviously, they take Mitchell seriously because a bunch of them have have shown a lot of respect to Mitchell um, during the season and then in the days leading up to this to this series coming. But uh, but yeah, I'm just not sure how seriously they take the Jazz as a whole 
But again, it's it's hard to know that from several thousand miles away or from a couple thousand right. miles away and without being, you know, the team psychologist. So we'll see how that plays out. But uh, but it's it's interesting to have two teams that are actually quite similar in, in level and in, and in maybe macro quality, even though, you know, obviously one has a bunch of star power and a bunch of all star appearances and a bunch of other stuff. So that'll be interesting. Um, let's, let's transition here just, um, and as we have a few minutes left and just talk about the biggest advantages for, for each of these teams. Um, I'll let you start us off. What, what's one of the things that you see as one of the biggest advantages for the jazz going into, um, this best of seven series? Well, it's no surprise. Uh, the Utah's favorite fighting Frenchman, Rudy Gobert has got to be considered an advantage. Uh, he's healthy. He's not missing two and a half out of, out of the four games, and he should be a huge advantage. He's playing so well since he came back. It sounds more and more and more like he is uh, the odds-on favorite for Defensive Player of the Year def- despite missing 26 games. That said, I do think Steven Adams plays, plays him very well. He's not going to be, you know, uh, head and shoulders and whatever, he's forearms above. Yeah, but he is. But I mean, that is an advantage for the Jazz, not just because of the head-to-head matchup, but because uh, he just is the anchor of the defense, and and it's going to affect how the perimeter players can play defense. Uh, you still got to be careful. You can't let Westbrook 100% loose, but you uh, you definitely have some help when you've got Rudy in the back in your back pocket. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, the biggest difference between. The, the Thunder win and the three Thunder... Sorry, the Thunder loss and the three Thunder wins um, was the fact that the Jazz had more success in corralling Russell Westbrook Russell Westbrook pick and rolls. And and by the way, it takes a lot of guys to do that, right? That's not just a Ruby thing. Um, you know, that's, that's Rubio and Mitchell. Um, and now that he's healthy, it'll even probably be Exum a time or two. Um, you know, reading things right and making sure that they stay in front and that they that they play the pick the right way, but it certainly helps when it, when the guy behind that pick and roll action is Rudy Gobert. So that's going to be a big thing. You know, the, what another thing that I was um, going to focus on is just the, the not not depth in like a you know ten deep sort of way because I think depth matters less when you get to the playoffs, but just the fact that I think Utah has more guys that can impact a game in different ways than the Thunder have. Um, the Thunder, you know, we've talked about Roberson being out. They just don't really have a fifth guy. And in fact, they've they've been pretty bad in the clutch when, whenever anybody other than Roberson plays as that fifth guy. Um, you know, sometimes it's Raymond Felton, who the Jazz saw last, last postseason when he was with L.A. Um, sometimes it's, uh, it's Alex Abrinas, who's a sharpshooter, but will be out tomorrow because of concussion protocol. And, and sometimes it's been Corey Brewer, who the latest on Corey Brewer from uh, Fred Katz of the Norman Transcript in Oklahoma is that, uh, is that while he did go through some portions of the contract contact practice today, um, it sounds like he's still questionable for tomorrow. So I'm just not sure who from Oklahoma City's side is, uh, is going to really be able to come in and complement those three scorers. Um, scorers slash creators, I should say, in Westbrook, George, and Mello. Um, and then obviously Steven Adams and all the things he does as a defensive anchor and, 
you know, a, a really great screener on the other end. Right. And I think you see that as you look at their box scores from this past week, I was looking to see who has been filling the, filling the minutes in the roster. And if you, if you look back at, there was a game, the one I have up still is, uh, Oklahoma at Miami, Oklahoma city at Miami. It was a 22 point win, but they played their starters all over 30 minutes and really didn't dip into the bench much at all. Now you're going to be subtracting Corey Brewer, maybe, and you're going to be subtracting arenas. And so now you're going to have to use those guys off the bench more to fill, uh, 33 minutes of Brewer and 12 minutes of Arenas. And so it, it is going to make them a little thinner, again, if Brewer's out. If Brewer plays, then maybe not so much. Although that might, you know, if he's if he does have any lingering issues with that knee, that might make him a point of attack a little bit. Yeah, well, and that's, uh, so yeah, that's the thing. Like, that's what, I, I hesitate to call this depth because again, like, Right. Teams that have like really great starting units and they have a lot of star power in their in their front five or six, like not having depth in a playoff series doesn't matter that much. You just don't play past your top five or six guys. But I guess my point here is I'm not even sure they get to five players oh. <laughs> with really quality dudes who can who can impact. Certainly with plus defenders. I mean, plus defenders, they're basically going to have Adams and Paul George. Period. Yeah. Like. Those yeah. are the guys who will play tomorrow for OKC who are positive defensive presences unless Corey Brewer plays. Um, so, I, so I think that's a place that they're certainly vulnerable. And, and you mentioned Paul George being a plus de- defender. I'm sure you saw his comments today about uh, Donovan Mitchell hasn't met playoff P yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I chuckled at that because I went straight to his uh, – stat page and saw the last time he made it out of the first round was i think 2013 maybe it was 2014 but it's been a while yeah so no, maybe, that sounds maybe, about right maybe paul should quit uh, he's gonna he's gonna sprain something trying to pat himself on the back for how great he is in the playoffs <laughs> if he's not careful and mellow uh, again he wasn't talking about his defense of course because if he was he's delusional but he uh, again hasn't been in the playoffs i believe since 2013 yeah. so it's it's uh you know those guys while i think you know they have an experience that the jazz don't have in the playoffs um to quote somebody we may have heard from in the last couple of years it's it's bad experience not universally bad experience but it's <laughs> it's, it's 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 at least old experience well as yeah. far as being a factor in the playoffs <laughs> in a real positive way um so except for westbrook he had a little more success more recently yeah well i mean paul george is is good um oh, yeah. you know they're their teams, um, those Indiana teams, after they kind of broke up the the Eastern Conference Finals group, um, they just didn't have the roster to go deep anymore. Paul George was still really right. freaking good, and I think maybe part of what he's saying when he says playoff P, like, you know, remember they had Toronto on the ropes a couple of seasons ago because um, Demar Derozan just couldn't score against Paul George. So, like, I do think that there is something to, like, Paul George is a guy. Who, um, who I think could change the series in a way that's really good for OKC and really bad for Utah. And in fact, I think one of the things that I'm that I that I think Jazz fans should be most terrified about is the idea that the Thunder might start to realize <laughs> um, the Paul George is actually their their best player. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It, like in a in the sense of being able to impact both ends of the floor, being able to score more efficiently like russell westbrook will shoot you into a lot of games he will also shoot you out of a lot of games um and hey the same is true for donovan mitchell so that's not 
you know, I'm not over here th- throwing stones. I'm just saying that, like, all, all season long, I've watched a bunch of OKC. Like, I've probably watched more OKC than all but maybe six or seven teams in the NBA. I've watched a lot of OKC, and kind of waited for them to put things together. And it's just kind of nuts to me how often I've watched and come away feeling like Paul George was, was sort of not that involved. And, um, and, th- and that's just weird to me because I, I think he's... I think he's really good, and and I, you know, maybe maybe that's what. Well, I guess we'll find out if if playoff P is a laugh line, or if, uh, you know, maybe they find a way to unlock um, some of what's good about him and and make him more of a Batman and less of a Robin to Westbrook. Yeah, well, defensively that that leads into, and I don't know if we're 100% ready to transition, but I'll do it anyway. That leads into one of my biggest concerns going into this for the Jazz. So maybe one of the advantages that OKC has is uh, the backcourt, the starting backcourt at least. Uh, well, uh, even even the bench backcourt is very light on experience for the Jazz. So you've got Ricky Rubio, who's got years of experience in the NBA, but zero minutes experience in the playoffs. Yep. And then you've got Donovan Mitchell, who clearly never been in the playoffs before. And I, I tend to think that Rubio will be impacted less because he has been around the league for a long time. But I think both of those players showed a little bit, well, the whole team honestly showed a little bit, uh, you know, that, that Portland game got physical, got to be a playoff style game, and the Jazz didn't match that. Now, maybe having that lesson on Wednesday night will help them, uh, you know, get ahead of the curve and, and, and be ready for it when it comes at them tomorrow. But I do think that backcourt inexperience and inexperience elsewhere will be something they'll have to overcome if they want to, uh, if they want to win this series. So that's going to be Rubio, Mitchell, O'Neal, and I mean, even Neto to an extent, even though he's been in the playoffs. I mean, that's crazy that how Neto has been, has more playoff experience than Ricky Rubio. Yeah. I, I'd still, I still go with Rubio. <laughs> Good <laughs> but, call. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, even X, even Dante Exum. So I mean, it, it, it's the same thing. All that that whole group of players is is pretty light on NBA slash playoff experience. And the only one, I, the only reason I use the slash is uh, Rubio. Obviously, has the the NBA plenty of NBA experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so they're going to be going up against a Westbrook. Whoever's playing next to Westbrook, but Paul George is probably going to be uh, more than willing to switch off, and and I would assume at times at least he will be the primary defender on Donovan Mitchell, and uh, so Mitchell will have as good as he's been and as great a story he's been. Um, it, it's going to be it's going to be up a notch. We you know we've watched it for years. We know that the playoffs take it up a notch. I think it's going to be it's going to be a challenge for him, and hopefully he. I mean he's been very good about learning and adapting much more quickly than we usually see rookies do. And so hopefully that continues because I think he'll have, he'll have a few struggles in this series. Um, and again, like I say all the time, I'll be happy to be wrong if he doesn't have any struggles. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, agreed on all counts. Um, and yeah, yeah. I mean, Don- Donovan I've has... I've got you at a loss for words. That never happens. Not necessarily at a loss for words. There's a, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, yeah. And just trying to decide how to how to get into it. Um, I, yeah. I I just think that um, to your point, I think both Rubio and Mitchell looked a little. Um, I, see, this is why I'm at a loss for words because I don't want to sound like I'm criticizing them based on one game out of 82. 
because um, right. I'm not. But but obviously that game was a playoff game, even though it wasn't the the Jazz Blazers on Wednesday night. Um, and two guys that have been awesome and have done so much for the Jazz and who have probably been as instrumental as anybody outside of Rudy Gobert in the Jazz's season turnaround. Like, they just looked like they weren't kind of as big as the moment um, in in what was probably the the biggest Jazz game of the season and, and maybe of the last... Well, yeah, certainly of this season. Um, but, but having said that, you know, they were huge when the Jazz went into... Um, Minnesota and needed a win on the second to last Sunday of the season. They were huge when the Jazz hosted the Clippers in what was basically a playoff type um, implication game. So, you know, again, I don't want to, I don't want to read too much into it, but at the same time, I totally agree with you that that game seemed to expose some of the just um, exposes too strong a word. Um, That's basically why I'm speechless. I don't want to, I don't want to (laughs) overdo it on this point um, because I still believe in both guys quite a bit. But I just think that, that those games were examples of, um, you know, needing to respond to a big moment in a bigger way. Um, and, and that's certainly something we're going to need to see from those two guys. Yeah, I think you can maybe I can put it this way. The things that the way they were able to uh, not experience success against McCollum and, and Dame, we could see the same thing against Westbrook and Paul George and whoever else is playing the, the you know, defending the backcourt unless they, you know, hit that learning curve hard and, and, uh, or, you know, that remember too, that was also a back to back night. Yep. Uh, so, you know, maybe that was a little bit of it too. I don't put personally a lot of stock in back to back, especially when, when they hadn't had one for two weeks. So they were playing every other night for two weeks and then, and then had a back to back. It's not like it's a four games in five nights or, uh, or, or, you know, like the five mm-hmm. and six that new Orleans had, but yeah, it, it, uh, that could have been an impact as well. So I think, but that is still, that that's the main concern when I look at the matchup is that those guys are going to have to bring it more like what they had done prior to the Portland game than what they did in the Portland game, or there could be some trouble. Yeah. No, I hear you. Well, here's something that is going to happen in this series. Um, and whether it happens the entire series or just for a, you know, a handful of possessions depends on how the Jazz respond and, and how the outcomes go. Something that is going to happen in this series is that the defense is going to ignore Ricky Rubio. They're going to drop back on all pick and rolls. They're going to, they're going to wall off the paint and they're going to say, Ricky, you just go ahead have you know make yourself at home shoot all you want from that 18 foot left angle spot um and so you know again that that happened a lot earlier this season and it really shut the jazz offense down then it happened then all of a sudden in january ricky sort of turned a corner where he realized that he could put pressure on the defense whether or not his shot was falling and that he could you know really put that that um sagging defender in a in a Sophie's choice type situation and and um you know kind of exert his influence in that way so you know we'll see how it goes but that's going to happen and and they're gonna like those are the quirky moments that I like watching for is what's the what are the weird things that these coaches are going to do like we know that Paul George is going to guard Donovan Mitchell for stretches but what about the weird thing that they try like a few years ago 
when the Spurs basically just had nobody guarding Tony Allen on Memphis, right? Like, right. like, will the Jazz have the courage to, you know, let's pretend that Corey Brewer isn't ready to go tomorrow. Um, will the Jazz have the courage to say, okay, down the stretch, Rudy Gobert is going to nominally be guarding Jeremy Grant, but really he's just going to be a roamer in the paint. And if Jeremy Grant beats us on, on corner threes, then we'll tip our caps. Like they could, they might do that. And those will be, I think the fun decisions that I like watching for is which coach is just going to get a little ballsy and, and make the series crazy by doing something unconventional. Um, but it very well could be the, the thunder saying, um, you know, we want, we want Ricky Rubio to beat us instead of, you know, Rudy Gobert throwing down lobs all night. Right. So looking at this, if Brewer and Arenas are, are both out, and, and we don't know yet on Brewer, I mean, where are they going for that for those guard minutes? I mean, I guess it's, Jeremy Grant's a small forward, and, and Raymond Felton is point guard, so you just kind of yeah. those are probably your next two. Those, I, are, those, are, those are probably your next two guys you're going to bring into the rotation. I mean, that's kind of how their pecking order has been. Like, I think I think those two are next. Um, and you know, Jeremy Grant has done some things. Um, he was big for them when they beat, uh, I think it was it was either that Miami game on the road or it might have been Houston last weekend, which, you know, Houston was playing hard, but they also didn't, they didn't actually have a lot of motivation to win that game. So it was, you know, hard to tell what the care factor was on the other, on the other side. But po- point is, Jeremy Grant can do some things occasionally, but he's also a guy who's bounced around and, and who, you know, if... I I think if the Thunder find themselves in a situation where they need 28 minutes of Jeremy Grant, the Jazz are going to be like, okay, then Jeremy Grant, you're going to get a chance to beat us because we'd rather have, you know, Paul George, you do it than Paul George or or someone right. else. Yeah, leave leave the guy open who shoots 29 percent from from three that versus versus a George or whoever else. George yeah. is at 40. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Jeremy Grant, like you said, he's done some things, but he's also to this in, in this season, he's been a 20 minute guy mm-hmm. and that's with Robertson already being injured. So he probably would have been even a little less than that, uh, you know, if, if that hadn't happened. So he, he's a guy who you're, you're right. He, he could burn you. He could, the jazz could make that decision to let him, let him be the guy to beat him and he could do it. But you probably do play that at those odds and say, well, if, he be, if he's the one who beats us because we're, we're shutting down the the more likely suspects, oh well. Yeah. Although, let's be honest, Russell Westbrook and Paul George are probably still good enough that they'll find ways to, to manufacture shots. But, um, you know, but we'll we'll see how it goes when the, um, def- when the likely defensive player of the year has uh, some other ideas about it. So um, right. let's wrap up. But before we do that, we better we better just get um, we better just get bold and get some predictions on the table. So uh, I'm already on record with mine. So I'll just say I've got the Jazz in six. I think they're better coached. I think they're deeper. I think <laughs> that they um, can influence the game as much with their defense as the Thunder can with their offense. I think on the other end, the Jazz will have a, sh- a chance to. Um, to take and make open shots. And I think largely the series will come down to whether or not they make those open shots, but I've got the jazz in six. What have you got? I think, uh, I'm, I'm about the same jazz in six is where I would, if you're going to force me to put a stake in the ground, why wouldn't uh, that? 
that's why that's where I would be. I would be Jazz in six, um, and it's just going to rely on. I mean, just everything we've talked about them playing, um, them truly being, regardless of the three to three to one record that they had that OKC has in their favor, them truly being the better team, which I believe for the last three months they have been, and hopefully that will continue. It won't be easy, um, and it relies, of course, any any time you're expecting them to win. Uh, uh, the road team to win in six, they've got to win one of these next two. They got to split in OKC, and uh, to my great pleasure, they, the Jazz have done that. This is historical Jazz, obviously not these Jazz, but out of 14 times they've been on the road in the first round, they've gotten the they've gotten at least one win nine times out of 14 series. So uh, hopefully that trend kind of continues. And uh, and what was it? A couple of years ago they won both. That, that was Houston. That was in 08. That's been 10 years already. Yeah, yeah but. Yeah. Uh, well, um, well, in the in the 15 years since the NBA went to a best of seven format for the first round series, all other series other than the four five, the road team is 10 and 80, and in the four five series, the road team is perfect 500, 15 and 15. So we'll see. Wow. We'll see if the Jazz can uh, tip that a so little. So the further. odds are, yeah, the odds are almost predicting a split. Yes, <laughs> doesn't really yeah. work that way. Every game is an individual game, but yeah, I mean. Well, I mean they're fifteen, fifteen, and in in the series count actually. Oh, in the series count. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we have. I thought you said fifty, fifty on the winning percentage in the 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 road games. Anyway, Uh, I misunderstood. You know, I looked at I looked at the I looked at that at one point last year when the Jazz were number five in the Jazz Clippers series. I have since forgotten, but yeah, in terms of series count, it's it's fifteen and fifteen. The road team wins half the time in these four or five series in the last 15 post seasons. So for whatever that is worth. Um, all right. Well, we have a couple of weeks now to find out uh, which of those scenarios is going to come true. But uh, in the meantime, keep coming back to Salt City Hoops for uh, more conversations, more coverage, and uh, more Jazz Playoff basketball. Thanks for joining us.